Today I'll be taking a page from my friend Sarah's book. The year is 2009. Obama has been elected the first African-American president of the United States of America, sworn in in January. Black Eyed Peas, Boom Boom Pal, has topped the charts for 26 weeks. Michael Jackson has died. And New Moon, the film, releases in theaters in November. The year is now 2020 and we're no longer reading Twilight. We're reading New Moon, the book that inspired that movie. I'm Emmy. <laughs> I'm Sarah. <laughs> Welcome to our show. <laughs> We're here to start a new journey today. A new journey without stupid vampires. And instead with stupid wolf boys. <laughs> Honestly, the worst part about all of that is that Boom Boom Pow was number one for 26 weeks? That is Pretty not sure, a yeah. good song. 26 weeks? That's half of a year. Yep. Uh, along with I Got a Feeling. Oh my god. I got a feeling. Stop. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I got a feeling that tonight's going to be a terrible night. Avatar was also released in 2009. And I believe we discussed in our roundup episode... Uh, that neither of us give a shit about Avatar. <laughs> no. We don't. Primarily because it had so little cultural impact that neither of us could remember the, na the name of the main character. <laughs> but you know what did have a cultural impact? New Moon. New Moon by Stephanie Meyer. So let's get into it. I knew uh, we were both in mortal danger. <laughs> Still, in that instant, I felt well. Whole. I could feel my heart racing in my chest, the blood pulsing hot and fast through my veins again. My lungs filled deep with the sweet scent that came off his skin. It was like there had never been any hole in my chest. I was perfect. Not healed, but as if there had never been a wound in the first place. Legions of readers are hungry for more. No, stop. No, stop. Give I don't want to temptation. Hear. <laughs> what temptation? That's, there's no temptation involved in any of these books. I am not tempted to read this book, but apparently I'm going to. <laughs> Guys, we are finally on New Moon. Um, New Moon happens to be my favorite book in the Twilight series because Edward is barely in it and Jacob is all over it. Coincidentally, my least favorite book in the series is Eclipse. The objectively worst book in the series is Breaking Dawn because a grown man falls in love with a baby. But we'll get there. For my dad, Stephen Morgan, <laughs> no one has ever been given more loving 
and unconditional support that I have that I have been given by you. I love you too. Stephen Morgan, please stop telling Stephanie Meyer that she can do something great. <laughs> At least, I will give it this, the opening quote this time, very fitting. These violent delights have violent ends, and in their triumph die, like fire and powder, which, as they kiss, consume. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Juliet. Juliet. <laughs> Act two, scene six. Romeo and, and Juliet. It's much more fitting. Because that's a story about a stupid fucking relationship <laughs> with a stupid fucking dude. So, Bella is Juliet, <laughs> Edward is Romeo, and Jacob is Paris? Except mm. Paris doesn't fall in love with a baby. Paris is just like, y'all are fucking crazy. <laughs> and then he leaves. <laughs> God, this intro is a mess. We need to start discussing this book. But I okay. to, I, I want to preface this by saying... Um, You're going to preface the preface? I'm going to preface the preface. Okay. The writing in the first five chapters of New Moon is so much more succinct than the first five chapters of Twilight. And yet I was... somehow so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost in tears. I was like, oh my god, so much has already happened. <laughs> I, I literally, my first thought within the first few chapters was, oh my god, she fixed her pacing problem. Now if only she could write something that I wanted to read with that faster pacing. <laughs> Yeah, right? God. So why don't you hit us with some thoughts some on the preface? Preface. So, preface honestly doesn't make any damn sense out of context. It doesn't? What? So the preface in this book <laughs> is so much less, like, mysterious and symbolic than the preface from the first book. Like there's you like you get so much more from this preface that you're like what the fuck is going on? Yeah, okay. So Bella's just like running around in a square and there's a bell tolling and Alice is there too, but she can't come outside cuz it's sunny and Alice is like, "Bella, we probably going to die here." Yeah. And Bella was like, "Yeah, that's fine." <laughs> <laughs> like she's just she's running through the square with the bell going off she's like i gotta fix things and if i can't then i'm cool with dying because it's bella and it's lit like it's almost the yeah. exact same thing we got in the first preface where it's bella in a bad situation going well i'm okay dying in this situation yeah. but it doesn't make any sense because you're just like there's just you're not given any information about what's happening except for the fact that Alice is there and Bella's sure she has to do you're, something. You are, you are given too much information, it's but too at the much, same time, like, not. scenic detail. <laughs> you understand everything physically happening around Bella and her internal emotions, but you don't have any understanding of why. So when I first read New Moon, and New Moon I've only read once, so 
maybe that's why I have such a high opinion of it. Like, I, I just haven't read it in so long. Uh, I was in my skipping the, the prologue phase of life. So I did not read this preface. But if I had read this preface, reading most of this book would have felt pointless. Because, and we'll get into it, but you get to the part where Edward bolts... And everybody goes with him. Yet this preface specifically involves Alice. Yep. So, so you, you would have know known they're gonna from come the back. start. Yeah. It it undercuts all of the tension. Mm-hmm. And instead, it makes even the first five paragraphs kind of a slog because you're like, well, none of this yeah. means anything in the end. <laughs> yeah. All right, chapter one. Let's chapter get one. into the meat. So chapter skin. one has Bella having her first hyper-realistic dream of the book. Uh, this, uh, before we even start, she's becoming incredibly more clairvoyant than she has ever been before. Yeah, her dreams are whack, homie. <laughs> oh, yeah. So she has the hype, this hyper-realistic hyper dream in which she is looking at her grandmother, or what she perceives to be her grandmother, and she's standing outside, and it's super bright outside. Then Edward approaches, and she like she's in a she knows she's in a dream, and she still starts to panic because Edward is walking towards her, and the light is gonna shine off of him, and it's he's gonna glitter. Um, and so then he gets to her and he puts his arm around her and she looks over and her grandmother has her arm out in a weird way. Uh, but then she realizes that she is in fact looking in a mirror and she is the old lady and Edward is young and she wakes up and it's her 18th birthday. <laughs> the fact that she is so horrified by the idea of turning 18 when Edward would forever be 17 is so bonkers to me. And what I hear, she does You're explain 18. it. What? Yeah. Not, <laughs> Not 40. 40. <laughs> the, what I will say is she explains later that a couple of years older or younger wouldn't matter to her if she knew that he was going to change her but because she knows that this is perceptively the first step in the next like 80 years of her life of her becoming so much older than him and eventually dying while he stays young forever. I do understand because if he was like, don't worry, I will change you. Just not right this second. She probably wouldn't be feeling this way. But even then I'm just like, you have a lot of time before mm -hmm. you really start getting older. And I yeah. get it, because I have existential dread about birthdays, too. But, like, it's a little much, homie. <laughs> My birthday happened right after COVID hit. My birthday happened right before COVID <laughs> So we had gone to a friend's... <laughs> gone to a friend's birthday party in mid-February at this Korean barbecue place and I was like that was amazing I would love to go there for my birthday next month and then everything was closed oh. Bella has it so easy <laughs> yeah she gets nice silver presents you gave me birthday donuts and Velocipaster 
<laughs> that was actually incredible. I will say it was a wonderful birthday. We ate donuts. I got a latte and we watched the Velocipaster. And if you have not seen the Velocipaster, it's on Amazon Prime. It's the funniest movie I've ever seen. It was wonderful. I didn't it was know amazing. you could mix so many different. It was so much better than New Moon. <laughs> it was so much better than New Moon. When we get together to watch New Moon, well, get together is a strong word. When we zoom to watch New Moon, uh, we should also watch the Velocipaster again. Um. <clears throat> Anyway, enough about my birthday. It's Bella's birthday. Yeah, and so we are like five pages into the chapter and she's already saying nauseatingly romantic shit about Ed. And I'm just like, again with this. So I've tried to and reconcile it's... this by saying she's a teenager. She's gonna think gross shit all the time. I mean, he's her like her first boyfriend and she's like stupidly in love with him. So, you know, I think I can get past it. However, <laughs> that doesn't mean I can't be annoyed every time it happens. She says that her summer was with Ed was her happiest <laughs> summer ever. And that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Maybe it uh, was. She then tries to top it by saying it was actually the happiest summer anyone ever had. I would like to say that the <laughs> summer of 2014, uh, when we spent every night driving around listening to 21 Pilots and sitting around your dining room table, trying not to swear in front of your five-year-old brother, but failing epically... Because your mom was doing it too. Much better summer than whatever Bella did with Edward. We don't know what she did. Because she doesn't have activities. <laughs> <laughs> like, as far as we know, she just, like, has her job. And then she, like, hangs out with Edward. And I don't know what they do other than just, like, look at each other. And hey, we didn't just listen to 21 Pilots. There was also, it's okay to be gay. If you're straight, <laughs> well, that's great. We can make gay little babies for the whole human race. Okay. <laughs> Is that, what is that from? Is that from Avenue, that's not Avenue Q, is it? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's just a song a band made. Oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that song. God, teenagers are fucking weird in the things they listen to. So Bella drives to school and is a huge grump when Alice tries to give her a gift for her birthday. Edward still doesn't want to turn her into a vampire for whatever fucking reason. Which means Bella doesn't want to acknowledge getting older. Understandable. Edward and Alice create a plan to force Bella to celebrate anyway. And once again, I'm trapped in the argument of I hate you, but I hate you too. Yeah. Because like on the one hand, I think Bella's being a little overdramatic bitch. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm not crazy about them so openly disrespecting Bella's wishes. Yeah. Like, she very specifically <laughs> doesn't want to have her birthday acknowledged. And later, Edward is like, listen, we never get to celebrate a birthday anymore because nobody has birthdays anymore. So could you please just play along? 
if he had played it like that from the beginning and been like, hey, so my family really wants to throw you a birthday party because we never get to do birthdays and it would really mean a lot to them, I feel like she would have felt better about it. Because that's what she does. Yeah. When, when they are going up to the party, she's like, oh, okay, that's fine. Like, I'll be nice. Yeah, if he had just told her from the start, it's for them. Just do it for them. Yeah. I think it would have gone a lot better. <laughs> now, next is Bella explains that she's poor and she doesn't like people spending money on her which i understand because i have also for most of my life not been financially gifted um (laughs) and thus people giving me presents has always felt really awkward because like my friends in high school would just like they would never miss a birthday but I didn't have any money to, like, go buy them presents or anything. I'm sure my parents would have given me some, but it wasn't easy. And so I was always like, guys, stop. See, I was always friends with poor people. You just made bad choices. <laughs> yeah, I know. The town we lived in, like, it was impossible to know. Like, the high school, I'm, I'm like, totally revealing the nature of the town we lived in here. Because there was no way of knowing. Who was poor and who wasn't poor because the town was in equal parts, like, super wealthy, but also not. But we all lived so close together that we all went to the same schools. So there was, like, people in my in my ta- in my school whose parents were, like, millionaires. But then there was us who were, like, blue collar and, like, not wealthy literally at all. It was whack. Super whack. My point is, I get it, Bella. I don't like it when people spend... Actually, that's a lie. I appreciate it very much when people give me gifts because that is my love language. However, much like the gift Edward reveals that he gave to her later on, some of the most meaningful gifts you don't have to spend any money on. Shut up. (laughs) I'm sorry. So, um, she also explains that people don't stare at her and the Collins that much anymore because they're old news. Um, Jasper, Emmett, and Rosalie have all quote-unquote graduated, and so the only ones left are Alice and Edward, and they all actually sit with her human friends at lunch now, and they manage to somewhat get along. And Apparently they just kind of ignore each other at the same table. (laughs) Yeah, there's a line where Bella is describing all of her friends and their relationship to each other. Did you see my note on this? Yeah. Who the fuck is Ben? Yeah. Who is Ben? So, so, sorry, let me back up. Bella says that Angela and Ben have stayed together through the summer. Who is Ben? She was with Eric. It's definitely a, uh, Smyer being like, if I just slip in more <laughs> human characters, nobody will notice, right? They're unimportant. We already figured that out from the first book. I can just slide like, them right in here. But the thing is, like, you had the you had five main human characters and then one extra who we don't give a fuck about. You had Mike, Eric, and Tyler. You had Angela and Jessica, and then Lauren was whatever. Maybe, but you had those, maybe you had, she realized Eric was an incel. <laughs> So she was like, actually, Erica, Eric kind of fucking sucks. Why am I sticking beautiful, wonderful Angela with him? We're going to make up Ben. But I, I, 
I want to see a hard cut of us talking about Angela and Eric getting together in Twilight and then us being like, who the fuck is Ben? <laughs> who is Ben? Anyway, Stephanie Meyer made up another character that Angela is supposedly dating, but then Eric is also there. And then also this other guy named Connor, who I don't yep. know who he is. We, we just, there's just new people and we don't, they don't so introduce funny. them. She adds Which... two new male characters, not a single new female character. And I like, I'm almost irritated that she doesn't explain it. But at the same time, I'm terrified that if I wish an explanation into existence, that it will be a chapter-long explanation backstory for both of those <laughs> new characters. Which is fine. I was just so fucking confused at who the fuck Ben was. And, okay, so, as far as the presence thing goes... I get it, to an extent. Gifts are also my love language. I also feel bad if somebody buys me things and I can't return the favor. Yeah. That being said, if I'm in a relationship and the person I'm in a relationship with is literally rich yeah, and tells me they want me to have a car that will not kill me if I get into a wreck in it and wants to ensure that I can go to college, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I... And instead, Bella's just sitting there like, bite me. Literally. And figuratively. The only thing I'll say is I completely understand the I... one aspect of it is that I don't know how Charlie would feel about Edward just like showering Bella with money. Yeah. Like it would feel odd. Like I can't imagine being like 17, 18 years old and being like, Oh, Hey dad, by the way, my extremely rich boyfriend is going to buy me a car. Like, I don't, I just like, as weird as it sounds, I don't think a parent would usually allow that. You know what I, you know what I mean? As like, what if they break up? Is he going to take it back? See, now we're getting into the trouble that, like, buying my partner a car if I had the money is just definitely something I would do. <laughs> I would do it. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I mean, obviously, I'm married, so it doesn't really matter. I'm not buying him a car. Are you going to buy Brandon a car? Buying a car. I would love to buy Brandon a car. His is very old. He needs a new car. He does need a new car. Uh, but I just, I don't think it's really appropriate for like a teenager anyway you know what let's continue (laughs) let's continue edward and bella watch romeo and juliet and edward explains to bella that he had contemplated suicide when he thought she might die bella is understandably really horrified by that notion charlie brings home pizza for bella's birthday and agrees to bella going over to the cullens for the evening the fact that bella not only likes Romeo, but says that he is one of her favorite fictional characters in existence. Explains a lot she also about says, her relationship with Ed. <laughs> she also says that she <laughs> that she used to have a thing for Romeo before she met Edward, and I'm like, girl, you can still thirst after fictional characters. 
after yeah. you get into a relationship with someone. Ever heard of waifus? I do that all the time. I literally <laughs> have Taylor Lautner shirtless and dripping from the rain as my virtual background on Zoom right now. I literally have a cyberpunk cityscape. But that's because I'm in love with cyberpunk. <laughs> but only the aesthetic, not the corporate, you know, capitalist overtakes that. Whatever. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but Ed understands that Romeo's a shitty character and insults him. So you know what, like, points to Ed there for being like, Romeo's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He even calls him out on his love shit, like... He literally said he loved Rosalind and then just dropped her and went right to Juliet. <laughs> yeah. It would have uh, been hilarious if that was like foreshadowing and later Ed just was like fucking somebody else. <laughs> 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 but uh, I really, really hate their suicide conversation. Super bad. Super awful Super and gross bad. and terrifying and, and absolutely awful. They both are like, you shouldn't commit suicide if I'm gone. And I'm like, okay, that's good. But then they're both like, but I, I, I get why you'd want to kill yourself if I wasn't here. I'm like, no, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. it's um... Bella, you are 18. <laughs> you have been with this man for like four months. <laughs> It's, it's, um, it's, uh, awful. No. It's awful. I, so I, as someone who is, uh, if you didn't know, I'm married. Um, and sometimes I think about what my life would be like if something happened to Brandon and it would be really, really awful. I think I would be stuck for a long time about how to move on and I don't know what I would do. But to openly say to him, hey, if something happens to you, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Um, I don't think that that's something that is appropriate or kind to say to your partner because they don't want you to die if something happens to you. To them. It's <laughs> awful. <Huh>? Also, <laughs> it's the, exactly the kind of thing that's going to put somebody in a position where they're going to say... I want to make a change in this relationship in some way, or maybe I want to leave, but then they're going to be like, oh no, I can't leave, because if I leave them, they'll kill themselves. Yeah, which is ironic, considering Edward is the one who winds up leaving Bella after previously talking about the fact that if she something happened to her, or she wasn't in his life anymore, he would just find a way to die. But yeah. anyway, that conversation... That, uh, least the hundred-year-old vampire would have better perspective. <laughs> we we will definitely re-reference this conversation multiple times because it's super fucked up. You made a note about Alice. <laughs> oh my god, so apparently Alice has been going over all the time and Charlie loves Alice. And I'm like, oh my The god. two best characters even Charlie love her. each other like they're I want I want a, a an entire 10 book series on just the fun things that Alice and Charlie do together just being gal pals just being gal pals <laughs> um so the end of the chapter 
I'm. T- this is the most action-packed chapter ever. Like the the most. Like I can't believe that the first chapter in the book has everything that like really opens the book in it. I'm actually impressed because we get the meat of what is going on from the first chapter, which is amazing for Stephanie Meyer. She, she consolidated all those lessons we said she needed to learn from the first book. But then she also just made it a dumpster fire of bad ideas. It's not great. Um, but anyway, so Bella and Edward go to the Cullen's house, find that Alice has prepared a super extravagant party and Bella's really embarrassed. Um, Emmett and Jasper got her a stereo for her truck, which is so sweet. Um, and she opens the second present. Well, she starts to open the second present and she gets a little paper cut. We will talk about how fucking ridiculous this is. Um, but then Jasper tries to lunge at her and Edward grabs her and shoves her through the table into a bunch of glass stuff. And so she gets a bunch of cuts all over her and it makes Jasper go fucking insane. And that's the end of the book. End of the book. God, if only. I wish. <laughs> that's um, the end of the chapter. Okay. First of all, first of all, does Bella even like pink? I don't know. It was everywhere. It was. I don't everywhere. think she's. She's never said any that about any color that she doesn't like. In the movie, Charlie assumes that she likes purple. Yeah, that's why I was like, I'm sitting here. I'm like. I don't know how she's going to react to all the pink because she definitely has the personality of somebody who's like, I'm a girl. That doesn't mean I would like pink. Yeah. But she never says anything about it either. Yeah. I don't think she specifically has an issue with pink. She's never said it. So I'm just yeah. assuming. Um, why does Jasper Lean. lose his shit? He leans long and blonde. How do you lean long and blonde? The long part's fine. You can't lean blondly. My question was going to be, why does he lose his absolute marbles over her little paper cut? When he was in the ballet studio, when she was bleeding out to death? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And he like, I mean, I understand that perhaps he was more focused on the tracker, but it doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense that he would... I would understand him maybe bolting from the room to try to prevent himself from focusing on the smell. But... She, like, it's it doesn't make any sense. She literally describes it as a little drop of blood. Like, a one single drop of blood appears on her finger and then all of a sudden everybody loses their shit. Yeah, it was... In light of the ending to Twilight... It definitely felt like a stretch. A really, really long and blonde stretch. Yes. It would have made more sense if... I mean, like, I would maybe understand if she had, like, sliced her finger open and there was, like, blood everywhere, which can happen when you give yourself a bad enough paper cut. I've done it. I've stained multiple pairs of pants. And if she was, like... Not from that. From paper cuts. Did, like, if she got blood everywhere and they were like, well, Jasper hasn't fed in a while and blah, blah, blah. So, like, there was, re- but then I would just be asking why they didn't 
go hunting before she they had her come over for a birthday party. But like at least there will be some explanation. Yeah, if yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It it's really um really contrived. Really contrived. I don't understand. If she had tripped and fallen and like really cut herself open I would even more be like okay I understand because again in the ballet studio he had the tracker to focus on because he needed to help them fight him off however here he doesn't have that so it would obviously he would be more hyper focused on the blood but if it was really that hard for him to control himself from seeing one drop of blood I don't think he would have been able to focus on the tracker exactly also why the fuck does Ed throw her into a table why doesn't he grab her and like I don't know run out of the room like it makes that's more sense that's what i was like that doesn't because emmett grabs logical. jasper immediately like emmett already has him by the time that edward is like grabbing bella and she's like on the floor in a pile of glass yeah ed's reaction let me make this situation worse <laughs> and i think the point is in order for it to be bad enough she really did have to really cut herself open but and like she could Stephanie have knocked her. She's supposed to be clumsy, right? I, yeah, so I was like, she literally could have knocked herself into the table, like jumping away. <laughs> like, or yeah, like so if if she got like a little cut on her finger and maybe Jasper like made a noise or something like that, or like took a step towards her in a way that would maybe convey that oh my god he might come at me, and then she like trips over her shoelace or something trying to get out of the way because she panics that i might understand those converse shoelaces are long okay yes now we're getting into the same kind of stupid fucking conversation we had when we were talking about the van in the first book when we were like the scene doesn't make any sense we can't keep going on about it we have to move on to chapter two okay so uh beginning of chapter two uh emmett and rosalie escort jasper from the house rosalie looking a little too happy with herself uh while carlisle begins to patch bella up and eventually everyone else leaves uh alice tells ed to go after jasper and tells him to make himself useful (laughs) (laughs) literally literally tells him to make himself useful i think it was actually alice who verbatim was like yeah you might as well do something useful yeah that she literally said that. <laughs> Eventually, it was only Carlisle left though, because nobody else could stay there with her bleeding everywhere. Um, and so, in order to distract herself from the smell of the blood and you know the shit being dug out of her arm, Bella just keeps asking Carlisle questions, and she finds out that so Carlisle still believes that there is a heaven and a hell. Um, And Ed also believes that, but he believes that vampires don't have an afterlife that they go to. They lose their souls. And so that's the reason he doesn't want to turn Bella is because he would be taking her soul from her. Uh, Bella doesn't give a shit because she never really believed in anything anyways. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And... We also learn, Carlisle goes and gives us some more detail about uh, when he turned Ed. And apparently uh, he was treating both Ed's mom and Ed. And Ed's mom, right before she died, told Carlisle to do what he could for Ed. 
what only he could do for Ed to save him. And he's like, how did she know? How did she know, though? Was it I, the fever dreams? <laughs> I think she probably just had a better understanding of... She probably was just observing him really closely and knew that he had something more going on than the other doctors did. Yeah. And at that time, because it was so chaotic, um, you know, Spanish influenza, uh, which, you which know, this might... did not might, originate from Spain. You know, this might seem really unrealistic, but it was, in fact, a pandemic that swept all over the globe and killed mm -hmm. around 50 million people. And people were required to wear masks in public, but a lot of them threw big hissy fits because they didn't want to, because they thought it was nonsensical. And I know that seems really silly, but it happened. I bet nothing like that would ever happen today. No, of course not. People are nowhere near as stupid as they used to be. If they were asked to wear a mask for the health and safety of others, I'm sure they would do it. So half the family comes back <laughs> and uh, Alice uh, gets Bella some new clothes and then Ed takes her home and Bella's a fucking idiot and tries to apologize yeah, as if so she did fault. something wrong. And Ed is like, if you had normal human friends, if you were with Mike Newton, he would have stayed by you while you went to the hospital and while you were getting operated on. <laughs> and uh, then at home, Bella makes Ed stay the night. And opens the rest of her presents, which involve, which include plane tickets to her mommy and a CD of Ed's piano plan of his own compositions. And then they have a real good kiss. They and do a good kiss. Bella is very worried about it because she remembers that the only other time he's kissed her like that, where he's gotten really into it and put his hands in her hair and tousled it and stop <laughs> uh, was when he when he planned to leave and he didn't know if he was ever going to see her again also uh, she asks him what makes it harder for him her blood or her body <laughs> and I fucking loved that line <laughs> I was just like Thank you. Thank you, Thirsty Bella. There's something about the phrase, my body, that, like, it, you cannot read it any other way than, like, sexual. And so when she's like, what makes it harder for you, my blood or my body? It's just like, oh, oh, God, I, I just, oh, I just vomited in my mouth. Oh, no. <laughs> So, <laughs> I honestly, like, when Edward was like, if you were dating Mike Newton, all this stuff wouldn't have happened. All I could think of was, I wish Bella would be like, you know what, you're right. And then she breaks up with him and just goes and fucks Mike. Because Mike would fuck her. I just appreciate the fact that Ed is even repping Mike. Yeah. 
He's like, look at Mike. Look at Mike Newton. Look how nice he is. You He's fucking idiot. Boy. Why are you dating me? Yeah, why are you dating me when Mike Newton is over there? Look, he's already tried to make his hair like mine. <laughs> she, When she was describing how Mike had changed over the summer, she was like, his cheeks were less round and his cheekbones were more prominent and his hair had grown out a little. I was like, I'm so fucking thirsty for Mike Newton right now. <laughs> uh, sorry, 17-year-old me is thirsty for Mike Newton right now. I would obviously never, ever approach a 17-year-old. Though the way she describes the people in these books, that she doesn't even describe them in the way that I would even see a 17-year-old. I guess maybe if I was 17, I might see them that way. Yeah. Speaking of bad things, Charlie sees that Bella's arm's injured when she gets home. This raises no red flags for Charlie. She that, even says that he's, like, used to seeing her bandaged because she's so clumsy. Yeah, and I guess it's because, like, just coming out of the end of Twilight where she was in the hospital after being with the Cullens and then she just came home from her birthday with the Cullens and bandages and Charlie's just like, oh, yeah, uh, nothing here that I need to think about twice. <laughs> I mean, given what happened was not anyone was it it was a matter of circumstance and it was unfortunate yeah and so there's no one really to blame but like from his perspective he should definitely be more concerned about that <laughs> i agree he should at least ask more than one question so she's yeah. like i fell you fell right into a knife i don't know I fell down the stairs, got shot twice through the back of the head from the gun in my holster, and then I ran into a knife foot first. <laughs> uh, so you made a note that is once again questioning vampire biology. Okay, okay. So earlier in the chapter, even, she starts talking about Ed not breathing. Yeah. When he's... Like, like he's tense and he's like trying to hold uh, Jasper off um, because they don't have to breathe. Yeah. They just do it to keep up appearances. But when they pull away from the real good kiss, he's breathless. He's like... <laughs> and so I was like, is he just forcing himself to breathe harder to create ambiance? I, I don't understand. I don't know. Like, can you? It's it's literally like fake moaning at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so chapter three, um, Bella wakes up feeling super anxious. Um, at school, Edward tells her that Alice and Jasper are taking some time away because of what happened, which obviously only makes her feel worse. Um, when school ends, Edward acts super weird about Bella wanting him to come over when she gets out of work. Uh, and all of this is just like, it makes me so mad as someone with severe anxiety. I cannot imagine if this is the way that my significant other acted towards me when they could obviously tell that I was feeling upset. Yeah, no, no. As somebody who also has severe anxiety and has to take medication for it. Mm hmm. Uh,. A partner treating me like this for multiple days in a row would have me 
kneeling over the toilet vomiting repeatedly. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it, and to make it clear, I don't know how you are, but the amount of reassurances I have to get from Brandon pretty much all the time because of how fucking anxious I am all the time is ridiculous. And knowing the way that Bella is, I can't imagine... Like, if I was Edward, I would just be always just like, everything's okay. Like, we're going to be fine. Especially if he knew that she was upset. Granted, he's currently considering just up and leaving. Moving away. And here's the thing. still, like... (sighs) Here's the deal. If you're with somebody that has any kind of mental illness or something that they need help with, it's not your responsibility to help that person. But you should still but, do what you can. But you also shouldn't be with that person if you can't act accordingly. Exactly. If you're not willing to help a person through their mental illness, you should not be in a committed long-term relationship with them. And if you are in a committed long-term relationship with someone with a mental illness, there is a level of burden that does fall on you because you are taking on the mantle of being some form of support yeah obviously you are not their parent or their guardian so it's not your entire job to make sure they're okay especially when you're a teenager however knowing you have to make a couple changes to your yeah, lifestyle and actions to like accommodate. especially if it's a matter of just like making sure that she knows that you don't hate her or that you still love her or that things are going to be okay and it's not hard to do those things hugs and reassuring words are free. <laughs> but Edward doesn't know how to give any of those things. Edward only knows how to be a cold motherfucker. So when Bella gets home from work, Edward is still acting like a freak. He barely looks at her or talks to her. Essentially doesn't touch her when she takes a photo with him. Then he leaves without so much as a goodbye. Bella stands out in the rain, literally spiraling out of control at the way Edward is making her feel. Which I totally understand. If I was in this situation... I would be losing it. I would be screaming. I would be like, what is going on? The only thing that would stop me from literally pinning my partner down and being like, I need you to just talk to me. Yeah. Just tell me what you're thinking is the fact that they could rip me apart. Yeah. Okay. Now I wouldn't actually like pin somebody down. I'm no, exaggerating. But you but would like, still be, like, really insistent. Like, you need to talk to like, me. What is going on? Especially after... Communication. Yeah, communication. something, like, this big happens. And, like, now his siblings are not here because of something that just happened. It's definitely warrants a conversation that he is just not willing to provide. The entire scene where Edward is watching TV with Charlie is super creepy and awful and like i don't understand what is yeah, going i was like on. what the fuck is happening because she like bella comments on the fact that he doesn't normally pay that much attention to the tv so i'm like why is he even here just watching the tv with charlie does charlie not question this it's, it's like he's putting on weird. yeah it's like he's putting on a show like he showed up to hang out with her i think at this point he already knows that they're leaving yeah. Like, at, at this point, it, it's already, like, everybody is, is 
getting out of the house and everything. So he, but he still needs to make her think that things are going to be okay. So he can't just completely avoid her or she's going to know that something is up and then something else could happen that she might be able to stop it. Except he's really bad at pretending. He's super bad at pretending that everything is okay. He just makes it worse. So Bella takes a bunch of pictures of all the things that actually make her happy and has them developed, sticking some of them in the scrapbook her mom gave her. Because next... she thinks that she's going to leave, with, that he's leaving. Yes. And that she's going to leave with him. And Clarify that. That's, yes. the, that's the deduction she's come to without Ed telling her anything. Once again, this is why communication is important. <laughs> she really thinks that, oh, since things have gone wrong, he's going to take me and we're going to go somewhere else. Even though he does not plan on taking her anywhere because he's an ass. So then the next day, Edward comes over and tells her that he and his family are leaving Forks. He literally pulls a Charlie. Well, he pulls a Bella to Charlie and is a huge fucking dick and refuses to listen to her before he just vanishes. Bella tries to follow him into the woods. Literally could have died because she just w wanders around in the woods for hours until she finally falls over and collapses. And then she lays in the grass, not in the grass, like in the like woods until someone comes and saves her. Sam Yuli, the first of the very good boys to appear in this book. Hey, Mike Newton already appeared in the book. You're right. The first of the very good puppers to appear in go. this book are, are very good doggos. Uh, and he comes and he saves her. And I, I don't want to go, I don't want to spend too long on this because we already know how bad it is and we will talk about it later. <laughs> we did kind of set up everything that he was doing wrong already. Yeah. And how, how badly he. The fuck. Does Edward not expect Bella to literally lose her fucking mind when he leaves? She is so codependent on him and everything that he does affects her so greatly that him leaving can only basically kill her. I give him that I do think his heart was in the right place. His intentions, I think... Were, did not come from a bad place, but he executed the plan so poorly and with so little grace that it made Kanye interrupting Swifty at the 2009 MTV Awards look good. Look, she was the first and youngest country artist to win video of the year. Country musicians don't usually win at the MTV Video Awards, but she won and it was amazing and she should have gotten her moment to thank everybody. But that was the moment that Taylor Swift became one of the most hated women in the industry because everybody was like, oh, she's just whatever, she's playing innocent. And now for some reason, everybody has this impression of her that she's like some huge bitch who like plays innocent for the camera and I'm tired of it <laughs> so that happened in 2009 the same year New Moon the movie was released <laughs> I know crazy <laughs> but yeah I, I think that Ed uh, I get what he was trying to do I get that he's seeing this as the culmination of all his worst fears that Bella has been put in danger specifically just because of what he and his family are. 
he did everything wrong. Bella even points out that Edward did not act this crazy when there was when it was the tracker who was trying yeah. to kill her, but the idea that it was his own family member that could have killed her definitely is worse. Yeah. However, I think Edward is too quick to jump to a solution here, and the better solution would have definitely been to turn to just her into turn a her. <laughs> Every single thing that goes wrong in this book series that is, like, this huge deal where they have to protect Bella and blah, 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 whatever. If she was a vampire, we wouldn't have any of these issues. And granted, there wouldn't be a four-book series if she had turned into a vampire at the end of Twilight, as there is not a four-book series following Life and Death, the gender-bent version, because Bo becomes a vampire at the end. But he wouldn't be going through all of this heartache, and she wouldn't be catatonic for five months if it wasn't for edward just making the split decision to leave how how quickly after that incident happened did he say we're leaving now i think it was like three days i don't even think it was three days that he made the decision to leave i think it was let it was less than a week after what happened that he left yeah so it maybe it was that night that he went home and was like we're leaving forks I see what you're saying now. I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, because he this, stayed with her that night. So it was probably the next day. This flashback, this flashes back to the scene in the Jeep in yes. Twilight. Where Ed is just screaming at everybody and making the decisions and making the calls. And it's the same problem as Ed is just like, I'm going to make a decision right now. And everyone else is wrong. You're all stupid. Stupid, and I'm the only one who's thinking about the best way to handle this. Yeah. I don't even understand how he could have feasibly convinced the entire family to leave. But, uh, except for the fact that, technically speaking, he's the only one with anything holding him in forks. Like, everybody and else is only he, there because they want to, you know, just keep living. Yeah. And he said that they were going to have to move on soon anyways, but I was just like... No, I feel like don't. Carlisle's definitely smart enough to have argued with Ed and been like, no. <laughs> they really underestimate the way that people react to people looking young. Like, yeah. nobody in their right fucking mind, if they stayed there, like, okay, so they were saying he's supposed to be 33. Yeah. But he doesn't even look 30. If they stayed there another five years, nobody, unless they are absolutely insane, would be like, he doesn't look 38. He's probably immortal. They would just be like, oh my no. God, he looks so young for his age. Like, and that's how humanity works. All they have, because like all of them are, they're never going to change. They're all in good shape. I have seen people in their 50s and 60s who still look like they're in their 30s to 40s just because they take care of their bodies by eating well and following good exercise routines. Literally all they would have to say is, yeah, we take care of ourselves really well. It's not hard. <laughs> they could stay, they could feasibly, if they really wanted to, uh, if they could stay in each town they go to for 10 years, if they wanted to. It wouldn't be hard. 
if they just said, oh, Carlisle is, you know, 27, like, brilliant doctor. He just graduated last year. He's like, whatever. But then, you know, he goes to 37. And they're like, oh, my God, he doesn't look at, he hasn't changed a bit. Who cares? Nobody cares. People don't care that much. Use some makeup. Make yourself look older. It's really not going to incur that much suspicion. I promise you. But that's not the point. He's stupid. And the next chapter doesn't have him in it. So I'm grateful. (laughs) It has been many moons. Five months, actually. Yes. And uh, Charlie is fed up with Bella's nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. she only does the things she's supposed to do and she does them really well but that is all she does and she doesn't care about anything else and she basically just lives her life to not bother charlie and to keep existing yeah um so to appease him she's like fine i'll go out with jessica tonight and he's like, that's not, that's not my point. And she's like, fuck you. I'm gonna go get a girlfriend. And I'm like, yeah, Bella. You need a girlfriend. <laughs> and, uh, Yeah, Jessica's, that's definitely what happens. <laughs> Jessica's pretty snarky with her. Yeah, uh, When I she tries to imagine. ask her. <laughs> after being ignored for five months. <laughs> And, like, I could understand having to be there for your friend, like, a few months after they, um, their significant other breaks up with them or leaves them or whatever. But you get to a point where you're like, Jesus Christ, Bella, come on. I have a friend who their live-in partner suddenly died. And a month later, they were able to be able like they were able to spend some time with people and there were a few sad moments but they were able to kind of compose themselves and be able to exist amongst human beings and now i'm not saying that that is the standard i should that anyone should be setting especially in the case of someone's death however this was someone whose partner that they were living with and wanted to spend their life with suddenly died and they were like i have to make the decision to keep living and to not just let everything else go by the wayside and to acknowledge that i still exist in this world and i need to keep going why in the hell is bella still like catatonic yeah so i don't want to i don't want to downplay her feelings because like i get it I understand breakups are hard. Yes, obviously. And like I said, that standard isn't a standard I would set either. Like, everyone is going to deal with their things in their own time. Uh, But when he's been gone for almost the same amount of time you were in a relationship together. Yeah. And you literally are ignoring every other person in your life. That's a problem. It's not 
And she even says that she's just like, she has to stay alive because of the promise she made and because of Charlie and all this stuff. And I feel like I might sound like I'm being insensitive, but I don't, it's just super bothersome because the relationship she had with Edward wasn't healthy. And the relationships she has with people outside of Edward could be so much better. And even Edward points it out that if she spent time with her human friends, she could have a totally normal life. And there is so much more that she has to look forward to that is not this toxic asshole who abandoned her. The thing is, like, he was a huge dick and he left her. Like, he, it's not like something took him away from her. He hurt her so deeply and for some reason she blames herself and she sees it as a problem with her it's so sad and it makes me so angry to read i can't i just can't handle it no one deserves to be treated that poorly by someone yet still see it as their fault mental illness is a hell of a drug yes and Bella very clearly has some issues to work out. She and does. She very clearly needs to go see a therapist, as Charlie suggests. In the first. <laughs> and she is appalled by it. Oh, yeah. She's like super offended by it. Which, granted, this was the like mid 2000s. And so it was less like it is now, where like everybody is has their therapist on speed dial. Uh, yeah, it's just 2020 for you. <laughs> yeah. Um,. So I get it, but like, I don't know. It just, and it's not going to get better. I mean, she does no. open up a little bit and stop being so like, just like constantly sad as fuck, but it's still just like this whole book. The whole, like, and the whole time when she's talking about this, my, I'm just sitting there thinking like, just do something you like. And as somebody that has depression and has dealt with stuff like this, I know it's not enjoyable to do it. You're not going to do the thing you like and immediately be happy, but you have to get yourself back into that routine and then eventually you'll start to enjoy it again. Yeah. But then I remember that there's nothing that she likes. We literally have nothing outside of Ed. She was written for nothing else except to be with Ed. Yeah. God damn it. You don't even have like a, oh, why don't you just go listen to some music? Because that's the only thing we know about her, but also that's... One of the only things she shared with Edward. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I don't even know if that would help. And he took his CD that he made. Oh, yeah. He took everything out of her life that could remind Which her is of him. really, really fucked up to do. Yeah. Because having the, like, having items that you, like, it's really important for a lot of people to have those items to remember somebody by and to either be able to hold on to them in order to move on or to be able to get rid of them on their own as part of the process. So the fact that he took those from her, he broke into her room and took those from her. It's so fucked up. The He's gaslighting her. And he's not even there. She has a whole crisis where she talks about the fact that sometimes she fears that she's forgetting him. And it will soon be like he never existed. And that is exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to make 
her believe that he is gone, never coming back, and he may as well not exist. And that is so wrong. I can't even begin to say how wrong that is. He has every right to choose not to be with her anymore if he doesn't want to, but he does not. You don't have the right to take away somebody else's experiences and memories just because you don't like that you're in them. Oh, yeah. So anyways, (laughs) uh, she and Jessica go to see a zombie movie in Port Angeles and Bella realizes that she's a zombie. And so that means she wants to eat people, I guess. That's what I take from that. I have no idea. I was expecting her to say, like, oh, my God, I've become a zombie. So I need to, like, brighten myself up and, like, actually become a human again. But no, no, she doesn't actually make that revelation. No, she's just like, I'm the zombie now. I'm not the heroine. I was like, honey, you're never the heroine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But they go out to get food. And they pass through this super sketchy, uh, unlit area, um, get trying to get to a McDonald's, and uh, there are a few guys chilling outside this bar nearby, and it's it's, it's four guys, and they remind her of the time when she was down there before, and she was about to get raped, and. Uh, so it draws her to them, obviously. Naturally, you know. that's what you would do after you experience a trauma. Um, so she just kind of keeps lingering towards them, and Jessica's like, hey, can you not be a fucking psycho? And uh, then she starts getting hallucinations of Ed yelling at her. Ah! And so she, so she pushes forward, <laughs> and then he keeps yelling at her, and she's like, ooh, I see how this works now. Uh... But then she gets there and the guy's like, yo, what's up? And it's not the guys that tried to rape her. Uh, And she kind of shrugs it off and then goes back to Jessica. And Jessica's really pissed off at her for obvious reasons and drives her home. And is really pissed off at her for obvious reasons. (laughs) For obvious reasons. This, so um, if Bella is not psychic, she is deeply, deeply unwell. Yes. If she is not having, like, actual, like, conjured images of Edward that were created from her psychic powers, she is so out of her mind. And I don't, I'm sorry, I don't want to say that about people who have mental illness and experience audiovisual hallucinations. However, she is so deep inside her mental illness that she really thinks that physically hearing his voice it's not like she's just imagining it in her head she's hearing it with her ears i am so concerned that is terrifying she needs medication she needs therapy oh my god she's not going to see a shrink (laughs) no I do at least appreciate the fact, though, that she's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, but you know, she was set up as being intelligent in the first book, and she like psychoanalyzes herself on the fly in this scene. Yeah. And like lists down what's happening to her and like evaluates all of it, 
And it's the way she does it. It's like, okay, this actually reads like an intelligent person trying to think through what's happening to them. Yeah. And through their, like, sift through their knowledge. It's really bad, but at least, like, it gives us a glimpse of her actually having brain power. Yeah. That we just didn't get in part one. And so I'm like, I need more stuff like this, but not, not this. <laughs> this is unsettling, but she takes it as a good sign. And yeah. she continues to uh, seek that experience yeah. further into the book which obviously we will get into when we arrive at that point but this is basically the entire basis of the book is that she is trying to um see edward or hear edward if twilight set a bad example for what to do with relationships new moon in the first five chapters is setting a bad example of how to be a human being. Of how to cope with a breakup in a lot of ways. And it's... It's awful. It's, <laughs> it's not good. And I will, will... Obviously, this will be said quite a lot throughout this book, but it's um it's bad. And the, the best part... The reason that this book is my favorite is because of Jacob being in it and it being mostly werewolves, because I like werewolves more than I like vampires. But I am open and ready to acknowledge that Bella's coping is terrifying and is setting, again, setting a terrible example for young women. Um, yeah. And I feel bad for Jess in this chapter, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Bella basically used like, her. Yeah, she used her to, like, appe to appease Charlie after not talking to her for five months, which, like, like you said, you know having a friend that's upset and you have to help them is one thing, but like literally she didn't talk to her for five months. Yeah. And all of a sudden she's like, go see me. And then she approaches some sketchy guys outside of a bar in a dark alley that they're walking down and Porta. I'm just like, and, and Jess is like, I don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> like, she yeah. says, I don't know you. And it's true. Like, I wouldn't want to hang out with her again either. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jessica. Also, why would you pick Jessica and not Angela? <laughs> I think she was the closest to Jessica. I think Angela's definitely the nicest, but she definitely had the closest relationship with Jessica. Which is understandable. Jessica is much more social and bubbly and outgoing than Angela is. Until you treat her poorly. <laughs> yeah. So chapter five uh, opens with Bella at Newton's and it's been a really slow day and there's just some hikers in there. And so Mike is like, why don't you go home? Uh, so Bella leaves and she describes the recurring nightmare she's been having every night since Edward left, which is basically just her running through the woods and unable to find him, uh, which is less of a nightmare and more of a memory. But, you know. Yeah, I was like, her nightmares are weird and I wish I had her nightmares because I also have nightmares almost every night and they are not that tame. Oh yeah. I have terrible night terrors that wake me up all the time and I also experience pretty bad sleep paralysis uh, which I wish was just me walking in the woods. Like I wish those were the, the kinds of dreams that I had. I also wish great. I just didn't have sleep paralysis because that is uh, probably the worst experience I've ever had. 
So, uh, she has a panic attack while she drives. And she has to pull... She doesn't call it a panic attack, but that's what... Yeah, do not drive while you're having a panic attack. Please, God, do not drive while you're having a panic attack. I have (laughs) driven when I thought a panic attack was about to come on, but it helped me... That was because I knew it was going to help me focus and, like, actually not have the panic attack. And it worked. But I wouldn't necessarily recommend that unless you know it's going to work. If you're Um, already in the midst of one, do not... (laughs) Oh, absolutely not. If And if I had felt, if it had gotten worse, I would have pulled over. Uh, so she spots some old motorcycles on the side of the road and decides to take them to Jacob to have him fix them up. And this whole scene is so just, like, fucking weird. And, like, she's definitely very much inside her own head and having just a lot of thoughts about, you know, what she should be allowed to do, how she should be allowed to cope. She doesn't know how to become numb again after what happened the previous night. And so she is just, like, trying to find a way of, I don't know, of fixing herself, I guess. Which I understand she doesn't know how to get past it because she was never gifted with coping mechanisms. But. Oh, no, she was. The coping mechanism is to run away. Yeah. That's what Renee taught her. <laughs> And what she says in the scene, she's like, maybe one day I'll be thankful for the time I had with him because I didn't deserve it. And I'm like, okay, or, or maybe one day you'll have a good relationship and you'll look back and realize, oh shit, that relationship was fucked up and toxic. (laughs) Yeah, that is, um, She's really thinking about Edward the way that people think about their significant others who have died. Yes. Like, I can literally imagine having about coping poorly and having the thought of, like, maybe one day down the road, I will just be glad that I had any time with them at all. Um, I'm now thinking about Brandon dying, and I really don't want to. (laughs) Um, It's going to be okay, Sarah. Because if something were to happen to him, I want to think that, like, I would be able to move on and just say, like, I'm so glad that I had that time with him. But, you know, every part of me would be like, I just want more. And I get it. But he left her in a really horrible way. Again, I'm going to hit home on this so many times. He was an asshole and he left her. There's a really big difference between somebody you were in a long committed relationship with dying and uh somebody who was kind of abusive toxic and completely fucked you over leaving you yeah absolutely (laughs) um he made a note here about (laughs) so before we actually talk about that note because you mentioned a brand name in the note Stephanie Meyer has named two brands. I'm pretty sure she's mentioned more than two. She talked about McDonald's. She talked about McDonald's. Uh, She's mentioned a few car names. Uh, Well, okay, cars, I wasn't counting. I was counting specific, like, product names. Because she said Tylenol earlier when Edward got Bella some Tylenol. And I was like, did you just say Tylenol? I don't count cars as much because I feel like people feel less weird about naming cars than they do about naming the specific products. Because she named cars in the previous book, but she didn't name any other brands. But she's, this she's one... more she's more uh, uh, happy to name cars in this book. I'll say. Oh yeah, for sure. But she uh, 
So she said Tylenol. She said McDonald's. And then in your note, <laughs> you said Bella wants to be reckless. Maybe she'll drink a beer or <gasps> NyQuil. <laughs> I just, I can't stop. I was, so we just put out episode four. And in episode four, we talked about Bella referring to taking cold medicine oh as gratuitous drug use. I, 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 oh god because she's sitting here in this scene and she's like i know what i need to do i need to i need to be more reckless i need to take more risks yeah and she's like but this town is just so forks yeah <laughs> and i can i'm just imagining like based on previous bella what bella's idea of being reckless is I don't, I am, I, what is she going to do? Because she doesn't, I, I don't know. It sounds kind of stupid and we're really She listens to rap now. She listens to rap now. She doesn't listen to rap. She was just turning off whatever song. She didn't say what the song was, but she wanted to turn it off for some reason. Probably because she was afraid it was going to remind her of Edward. Because when your entire life revolves around someone. It was not Boom Boom Pal. Because the book was released in 2006. God damn it. They missed out on so much. So Bella then takes the motorcycles to La Push and tells Jacob she'd like to help. She'd like help getting them fixed up. But she'd rather he didn't tell Billy or Charlie. And Jacob's like, hell yeah, let's do it. I got no problem. And then Bella's like, don't worry, I'll pay for the parts. Because she's like, I had a college fund, but I'll just like pay for it with that. And Jacob's like, seems tight. Seems like a good idea. Uh, <laughs> I hate this part of the chapter because she's just like she goes to see Jacob she's like oh I forgot I liked Jacob I actually feel pretty good around him and things are cool and I'm like see literally just do things. That's all you have to do is do things. And your emotions will eventually work themselves out. But instead, she's going to throw away her college fund because she's just going to stay in Forks forever and spend it on repairing motorcycles. Also, motorcycles are the peak of recklessness. And uh, I just... Motorcycles aren't that reckless if you I are, just, if you know how to ride them. And they're not I hard can't, to ride. I can't with how, like, cringy, normal, milk toast suburban teen... It is to think that motorcycles are such a rebellion and so reckless. <laughs> we know that Charlie hates them because he's had to scrape teenagers off of the highway. She literally says the phrase that he's seen teenagers smeared across the highway, which is disgusting, by the way. Stop it. But she's like, 
he made me promise when I was like 10 that I would never ride a motorcycle and I said yes of course and now she's like but I'm gonna ride that motorcycle okay Bella don't go ahead you have take a, a sharp license. turn on a mountain road going 60 when it's raining I guess like like it's <laughs> there's a like if you get hit you're definitely in more trouble so just like don't be stupid and yeah. hope other people don't be stupid. <laughs> My only note for this chapter was Jacob with a little cute <laughs> I'm a little cute emoticon. I'm happy that she's at least happy to see him because it would make me a lot angrier if she was just using him to get the motorcycles fixed. And didn't care about him at all. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she actually responds well to seeing him makes me feel better. But that said, I still wasn't happy about the fact when she said she hadn't seen him in the five months that she literally spent five months not even talking to him and then just showed up with a couple motorcycles and were like, hey, can you fix these? She does agree to give him the one that he's like, this will be worth something once I yeah. fix it up. She like she recovered from it, but it, I, I definitely was like on the fence on how to take her choices here. What's so funny is like this like whole thing of her like finding these motorcycles and taking them to Jacob and being like, hey, could you like help me fix these up? But we can't tell our dads. And he's like tight i'm on your side and then they like sneak around to the front and they're just like trying to be casual and they get the motorcycles and they like wheel them back to the shed and he's just like oh yeah i'll be able to fix these up that's adorable like the that's like outside of character this building series, and yeah outside of this series i would be like oh this is so building. cute like i love this but like because of the book that it's in, because of the character involved, I'm just like, this is... Okay, yeah. So take this scene from her arriving with the motorcycles to yeah. the end of the scene and just put it in a different universe. Yeah. And it's an amazing scene. It's so cute. I love it so much. But she's doing it specifically because she wants to be reckless and hope that she hears Edward's voice. Well, at this point, she's not specifically saying she wants to hear Edward's voice, but she's just saying she wants to be reckless for the sake of being reckless, which is sad. Jacob doesn't deserve that. But she does have more friendly chemistry with Jacob in the, like, ten pages that she's hanging out with him in this scene than she does with Edward at all yeah it's fucking crazy i'm very solidly team jacob and i think that the problem is i'm gonna be a little bit biased so i'm gonna need you to like rein me in but jacob is also just such a better character and i think that's it's, objective it's kind of hard to rein you in when ed's ed yeah and on top of that i can't even really be team jacob because jacob doesn't deserve to put up with her bullshit <laughs> i mean you're not the first wrong book she basically like she's like i forgot that i actually liked jacob but like in the first book she generally doesn't she doesn't hate him but she's not like crazy about him being there in the book itself yeah and you know she kind of just uses him yeah and so i'm like what's funny is like jacob you can do better <laughs> yeah so what's funny is, like, if if 
this scene where she's like, I forgot how much I liked Jacob, was piggybacking off of the friendship they had in the Twilight movie. Yeah. Oh, no, it would fit because they actually had a friendship in the movie. Yeah. But in the book, they it, it wasn't like that. So I was just like, no. No, you didn't like him. Not enough to, like, justify the feelings you're having right now. Yeah. You you seem to be more tolerant of his existence in the, in the sense that you're tolerant of all of your friends' existences. You were never excited to see him. You were just like, oh, it's Jacob. He's a person I don't hate. <laughs> yeah, basically. Which is, I mean, it's fine if you have people in your life who you're like, I'm okay with being around them. Not necessarily because they, like, make me super happy but because they're like you know decent people that's okay whatever but like if don't i don't know i he deserves better he's a good person it's also just that smires like i can just pretend that i wrote this differently than i did right yeah she's acting like they have like a real relationship here when they don't yeah and like they could have she could have just built it like, she could have started started the relationship there instead of trying to act like it existed to begin with. <laughs> yeah. But that is the end of chapter five. And I, honestly, we got through, that was very fast. We got through the first five chapters of this book in literally less than half of the time it took us to get through the first five chapters of the first book, which says something about pacing. We got all the way to the point where she's like hanging out with Jacob and having him fix the motorcycles. When in the first book, I think with as many events that happened in in the first five chapters, very little had actually occurred. Yeah, the, the nice part is that in these first five chapters, we only see a couple days, really. Yeah. It's very focused in on a, on, like, five to ten days. Yeah. And the specific details that happen in those days. Whereas and she the skipped first... the five months. Oh my yes. god. What if she didn't skip the five months in her first draft? And they came back and were like, Stephanie. Oh god, I can see her doing that. <laughs> I'm like, willing to believe that after the success of Twilight, like the editors got more serious and they were like, listen, nobody wants to read about somebody literally not living their life for five months, Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my God. Can you imagine? That would be awful. <laughs> and Stephanie's just sitting there like, no, you have to know that she ate Fruit Loops on Wednesdays and Cheerios on Thursdays or you won't get the character progression by the end of the book. But Stephanie, I don't, th- I don't think. She literally talks about Bella eating cereal. <laughs> she does talk about Bella eating cereal. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Which is fine. You can give like irrelevant details, but Generally, when you give irrelevant details, they should do something, like yeah. some kind of characterization. <laughs> it didn't do anything. We just know that she hates cereal. <laughs> oh. 
it's okay. Anyway, so that's that was the first five chapters. It was uh, better, better than the first book, uh, but also still terrible, just in new, different ways. It's she she learned how to be worse in new ways. <laughs> I I. I'm gonna, I'm not, I promise I won't bring this up a lot, but since we have a little bit of buffer time at the end here, I am going to be so raging mad when Eclipse happens. <laughs> when we get to Eclipse and Stephanie Meyer murders Jacob's character in the name of making Edward the better partner, I, I fear for how long the episodes are gonna be because it's so fucking horrible <laughs> I am, I'm Stephanie Meyer how can I keep making worse choices I am going to apologize to you now because when we are seeing this sweet boy this amazing guy who is there for her and is sweet to her and is honest with her about things and he's going to be ruined when we get to eclipse i'm going to die from screaming about how angry i am but you know what we'll get there when we get there and for She'll now <laughs> for now my dear m it's 2020 and we're reading new moon and that is the end of episode one of new moon season two <laughs> episode one <laughs> follow us on twitter at 2020 twilight pod we post updates and occasionally retweet funny shit about twilight uh follow m at m of many names she is tweeting about transformers and she-ra and i am at sarah s wilton and i mostly tweet random nonsense that pops into my head along with much much too much sociopolitical commentary that I'm sure people are tired of seeing, but you know what? I'm not tired of retweeting it. Are you, what are you doing? Next time on <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. No, no, we're not doing next time. We're not doing next time. We're reading Have chapters. A good week. We're reading chapter six through 10 next time. That's it. We're done. Goodbye.